What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here, and welcome to Dear Miss Fantasy, the show for week three. We are the official player profiler mailbag show. Man, I hope you guys had a fantastic week two. It was not a bad week two for me. I hope you won all of your matchups. I almost went undefeated this week in my redraft and that well I went undefeated in redraft I had one dynasty team that lost but to be fair that is a rebuilding theoretically rebuilding team where I acquired Kyler this offseason and said all right we're just gonna we're just gonna lay down in this one so I did lose that so I don't feel super bad about that I guess we're tracking in the right direction there huh best ball is going well cashed in DFS you cannot ask for a better week um, and overall, the quality of games, not too bad, right? I mean, we had, unfortunately, some tragic injury situations. We'll dive into that in a little bit. You guys know the drill. I'm going to dive into it because we have a lot to cover today. going to go over the hot topics, going to go over the injuries, some players that I loved for this week, um, some other fun stuff as well. And then we will dive into the mailbag questions. Appreciate all the mailbag questions that are coming in. So let's go ahead and dive into the hot topics. All right, guys. I got to start us off with the Rams. Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, even Tutu Atwell. This team is absolutely on fire. And I know people are skeptical because it seems like a crazy, unsustainable pace. So I just want to spend some time here talking about the Rams because there's a lot of skepticism around what's real and what's fake in this offense. What do we expect? What can we rely on? Let's run down the stats. Kyron Williams, we'll start off with him. We could start off with Puka Nakua, but I'll give the floor to Kyron Williams because it was a little bit less expected from him. We got the crazy, crazy news <laughs> right before the game that um, Kyron Williams was going to be the solo <laughs> back out there uh, because Cam Akers was going to be inactive, wild, unexpected. It feels like we've been here before. We'll get into that in a second. But Kyron Williams, we'll give him his flowers here. 14 carries, 52 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, six receptions on 10 targets. 10 targets, that is the key here, for 48 yards and a receiving touchdown. Fantastic performance from him. Then we also got Puka Nakua literally setting records out there. Set the rookie record for the most receptions, 25 in a player's first two career games. Absolutely unreal. He had 15 receptions on 20 targets. I mean, we're talking, we're talking even beyond Cooper Cup production, right? This is insane. 147 yards. I mean, just outrageous. Then we also had Tutu Atwell, seven receptions on nine targets, 77 yards. I mean, a fantastic performance overall. Matt Stafford is pushing volume. And because it is Matt Stafford, obviously, you know, he doesn't have the rushing upside. So when you look at him and his fantasy production, you may not see it immediately. But we've got two 300-plus passing yard performances. The touchdowns aren't there, but literally Matt Stafford is creating PPR monsters for fantasy managers. I mean, you got to trust these guys, right? Puka Nakua, he's clearly the massive wide receiver one, the easy Cooper Cup replacement until Cooper Cup returns, but we don't know when he is going to return. I mean, this hamstring injury was serious. Had to see a specialist. This is kind of crazy. We could be looking at, you know, when, when his time to come off the pup comes, he doesn't have to come off the pup. We don't necessarily know how this is going to go. 
And when he does come off, I mean, you're kind of slotting Pukunakua into that secondary spot. And we've seen when this Rams offense is clicking, the secondary spot can be productive. We see it here with Tutu Atwell being productive. So if if when Cooper Cup comes back and I can even get Tutu Atwell level of performance out of Pukunakua, we won on that one. Fantastic. I think officially we can also say Van Jefferson, unfortunately, has been laid to rest. It ain't happening. We are too far into your career. You have passed past these opportunities. We can't trust you at this point, unfortunately. Sorry, Van Jefferson. The thought was fun, but it doesn't exist. Tyler Higby as well. Um, and I was somebody who liked targeting Tyler Higby. Now, granted, thank goodness people out, you know, outdrafted me on him in several places. I only got a couple of shares there, but Tyler Higby, we were expecting more of him. Obviously looking at him to be a potential target hog in this offense with uh, Cooper Cup out. And this week, three receptions, seven targets, 12 yards. It's time we look at this team and what we thought this team was going to be based off recent history and start reestablishing how we're looking at the team. The Rams, clearly, Sean McVay has tweaked something in their offensive philosophy because things are different than what we've seen in the past. We are seeing very little involvement from the tight end position. We are seeing running backs being massively targeted. That's something that just hasn't happened before. Even when we had, even when we had Daryl Henderson, who profiled as, you know, a little bit better pass catching back than someone like Cam Akers, we still didn't see this level, right? This is crazy. 10 targets for a running back. It seems like maybe what happened here is that Sean McVay looked at that offensive line and said, I can fix-ish it, but I can't super fix it in one season. So we're just going to kind of mitigate and we're going to focus on quick intermediate passing. When you're looking at the pass attempts broken down by, <coughs> excuse me, by 10 plus yards, 20 plus yards, 30 plus yards, et cetera, for quarterbacks, right? Matt Stafford has a whopping 30 one attempts in the 10 plus range. Justin Herbert, like for reference, Justin Herbert has 20. Jalen Hurts has nine. Josh Allen has 19. Like this is, this is huge. There's a clear strategy here on the part of Sean McVay and it is working. We have to buy into it. Now, Cam Akers, we'll dive into it. You don't want to, but it's, I know you guys are wondering, are we dumping him? Are we holding him? What are we doing? We're stuck with him. We are. If you have shares of him, you're stuck with him. Luckily, my only shares are in best ball, but you can't get rid of him right now. You got to hold because again, this is, it's like a repeat of last year. And I didn't really think that was going to happen. I made my apologies to everyone that I said, yeah, trust Cam Akers too. Cause I said it, I did. I'm not going to lie. I like to, you know, toot my horn when I write and I'll admit when I was wrong. All off season, Sean McVay was very affirmative towards Cam Akers in saying that he was their lead back. They trusted him. They love what they saw out of him at the end of last year. And he was strong at the end of last year. He was an RB1 at the end of last year when he got reinstated into that role. Production-wise, he was fantastic. So based off everything that was said, to see us get into the same exact situation immediately, literally after one week again, what is going on with the relationship between Cam Akers and Sean McVay? 
Well, two things are going to happen. One of two things. We're going to see Cam Akers either sit on the bench until they come to some kind of agreement if they can't find the trade partner. And maybe he kind of, you know, does the same thing as last year and works his way back into that number one spot. But with the way that Kyron Williams is looking this year compared to last year when Cam Akers had the opportunity to come in there on technically a bad team and put up solid performance and earn the spot back. I don't know if even if Cam Akers remains with the team, can he really earn that role back from Kyron Williams after the way he's performed? I don't know. I don't know. I think our best hope is for him to get traded because obviously there are some running back needy teams. So we can cross our fingers on that. We, we just got to hold right now. It's, <laughs> I cannot believe it is deja vu and we are literally here again. Oh, absolutely wild. Before we go in, let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsors before we dive in. Oh, I see it every day online, every single day. Hey, that looks like a great fantasy team in an eight-team league. Oh, I wish I could be in a league with you, right? Well, guess what? Now you can respond with, sure, let's play on battle. That's the beauty of this platform. This new battle platform standardizes all position scoring. So you just load your team and you challenge your friend, your colleague, Twitter troll, and you can browse other teams and issue challenges. Battle is revolutionizing fantasy football. And with code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match plus a free $10. So even if you deposit 20, you get 50. Think about that. So go to Betel.com, the code is UNDERWORLD. Betel.com, the code is UNDERWORLD, or click a link in the description. It's fun to be right. All right, we'll dive back in. Usually I dive us into the injury news, but um, I thought we'd do something fun this week and do a little panic button because we're in week three. I feel like periodically we can do whether or not we are ready to hit the panic button on certain players. And I feel like now is a good spot. Um, I've got a few guys that I want to talk about. We'll start off with uh, Deshaun Watson. I shouldn't have started off with Deshaun Watson because I'm, we're immediately saying yes. I should have started off with a no, right? No, we are panicking about Deshaun Watson. Oh, man, he just doesn't look good. He just doesn't look good. And the only thing that could save him again is unfortunately with the Nick Chubb injury, maybe it requires him to run a little bit more and can, you know, bring his upside up a little bit higher. I mean, he is already running. Um, we're seeing that at least he had six carries, 22 yards again, but just like, how can we trust somebody who can't get us to 15 fantasy points that is making accuracy seems to be an issue is making poor, ugly decisions. I mean, had a pick six. It's just, it's just not good. And you got to wonder if something just, he's not the Deshaun Watson that we saw back in Houston at all. We never saw this type of production out of him. So yeah, I'm hitting the panic meter on this and I hate it because obviously I do love Elijah Moore. I've got a ton of shares. He's getting targets. He's being utilized, but the targets just aren't very effective, unfortunately. So there's just the ceiling that these guys that we expected to have higher ceilings and him, Amari Cooper, 
uh, David and Joku. Oh my gosh. We expected more and we're just not getting that from this Cleveland offense. We are hitting the panic button, unfortunately. Josh Jacobs. Are we hitting the panic button on Josh Jacobs? No, we are not. Come on, people. We are not hitting the panic button on Josh Jacobs. I get it. You're looking at the performance and you're saying, I'm not getting yards. I'm not getting, I'm not even getting 10 fantasy points in PPR. I want to trade him. I want out. This is a bad offense. Jimmy Garoppolo is terrible. I, I get that. But here's the thing. You're remembering Josh Jacobs' season in some from 2022. And that's what you're comparing it to. You're saying, I want the guy that's the top three back. This is not top three back production. This isn't even RB2 production. But this was literally the exact same start that Josh Jacobs got off to last year. When I say exact same, I'm talking the amount of carries, level of yardage. It's the exact same start. So I get where... People are a little bit panicked and getting worried, for sure. I get it. I get it. But we are not hitting the panic meter on Josh Jacobs. This is not abnormal. You need to look at these games right here for him and say, these are floor games. I kind of had the same concept with Austin Eckler last year. People hated the start that he got off to. They just were like, oh my gosh, you know, poor yardage, poor yards per carry, not enough volume. We're just, it, this is not good. This is not good. He's being saved by receptions. And, you know, I, I get that, but you got to remember sometimes these guys just start off at their floor. And I think that's what we're seeing here with Josh Jacobs. There is no change in regime here. There's the changing quarterback to Jimmy Garoppolo. So that does adjust things a little bit, but Josh Jacobs is still one of the very few as we see so many committees forming, we've got a guy with zero competition. He's a true workhorse three down running back with receiving upside who can make something of the checkdowns that he gets. You absolutely can. In fact, he's a buy low candidate for me. If you can trade for him, trade for him. If you can acquire a legitimate three down back, this is not Najee Harris. No offense to Najee Harris. We'll talk about him. But this is not Najee Harris where we're worrying about Jalen Warren and the production he's getting and his contributions on third down. This is Josh Jacobs' backfield. Do not panic. Joe Burrow. No-ish. No-ish. We're kind of, we're, we're not panicking, but we are a little bit concerned about this injury. I mean, we'll dive into it a little bit more in a second here, but the performance is not good. The offense looks off. Just as a whole, I mean, you, you get a little bit concerned. And then we throw the injury on top of it. And you get worried because, again, with this injury, it's not like he had it right before week one. He had plenty of time to heal. He rested. He had time to heal. And that it's still bothering him kind of makes you feel like he's going to have to take an extended absence. You get worried that like this is just, this isn't what we signed up for. It's Joe Burrow. He should bounce back, but we are kind of worried about him and the impact that it is having on guys like Jamar Chase. Now, Najee Harris, another guy. Are we panicking over him? Your instinct is to say yes, I know it is. But no, we're not, we're not panicking yet. It's not fun, the level of contribution that Jalen Warren is having. But at the same time, 
you got to consider these matchups have been absolutely horrendous for Najee Harris. He is not starting off with some kind of cupcake schedule. He has started off with very tough defensive matchups. And the fact that he's even put up decent yards per carry and been able to make a little bit of progress in there, that is a positive. So don't panic sell him extremely low right now. There are some fantastic matchups that are coming up soon. He should be able to bounce back. Don't freak out. And then one more Justin Fields panic button. I'm going to save this one for later, actually, because we have a nice mailbag question around him. Before we get to the mailbag, let's dive in real quick to these injuries. I'm going to separate this out by position because we've got a ton. Ugh. Running backs, we'll start off with running backs. Obviously, Nick Chubb. That was painful. Painful to watch. I hate injuries as a whole. But there's just something about leg injuries to running backs in particular that just really like tugs at my heart, right? Because so often they change the trajectory of their entire career. And we know that the lifespan of these running backs is so short. We saw it, you know, we, we don't want to speculate, but I mean, the JK Dobbins injury, it's going to be tough for him to come back and have a career after that let alone the contract that he was looking for. It's not going to happen. Nick Chubb, slightly older running back. Unfortunately, this level of injury to the same knee. Yeah. I, you can't, you hate to see this happen to any running back, especially elite talent. You just want to see, you want to see him get back to that level. So unfortunately we do have to talk about the aspect of his replacement and it is Jerome Ford. Um, and, you know, unless your waivers run on Wednesday night, um, this is going to be useless advice for you. So we're not going to talk about this from a waiver wire perspective, because from a waiver wire perspective, you got to put in your claim on board. Absolutely throw what you have to, especially if you lost somebody like J.K. Dobbins or obviously Nick Chubb. You got to you got to go all in and you got to get him. I know some people are scared of Kareem Hunt. He is visiting with the Browns. And that was his home. But he did get kicked out of that home. We got to keep that in mind. You know, I'm not scared of Kareem Hunt. If he comes back, which is a very good possibility, because this is not a if they add a running back, this is a they're 100% going to add a running back. We know that for sure. That's not even up for debate. It's just a matter of which running back. But here's the thing you got to remember, they got rid of Kareem Hunt because they felt comfortable with Jerome Ford and the level of production that Jerome Ford put out immediately over a hundred yards, uh, receiving upside as well, receiving touchdown. He came out there and immediately put his stamp on this team as the RB one. And I loved Jerome Ford in the off season. He was one of my favorite late round dart throws. Uh, I feel obligated to talk about my Scott Fishbowl team because I love this. <laughs> first of all, who doesn't love the Scott Fishbowl? Um, and I do roster. I did draft Jerome Ford in my Scott Fishbowl team. So um, we're not rolling him out this week, by the way, guys, not against the Titans defense. I, I hope that we have all grown to recognize. Now, if, if Jerome Ford comes out, and has a, let's say, a top 20 performance against 
the no, yeah, yeah, the top 20 performance against the Titans defense, that would be a major sign of his massive upside to come very soon. So, you know, we're not rolling him out this week because if the Titans can do one thing, they can stop the run. Like, just like pause on that one. They're very, very consistent and very, very strong with it. That said, it's not like Deshaun Watson can actually, you know, throw the ball right now. So maybe they do have to run and push it, but we'll see. We're not rolling him out just yet. He will stay on my bench. If I miss out on it, I miss out on it, unfortunately. But you got to roster him. We're not scared of Kareem Hunt. If Kareem Hunt comes in, he would probably slot at best into his previous role of a change of pace, third down back. But I don't even know if it would be that. They let him go again because they felt comfortable with Jerome Ford and because they also felt like he lost a step. And judging from the fact that he hasn't signed with anybody else, other people might feel the same way too. Ezekiel Elliott found a home. Dalvin Cook found a home. Kareem Hunt hasn't found my home yet, unfortunately. He's still got some juice, but I don't think it's the juice we're used to seeing. I don't see him surpassing Jerome Ford, as crazy as that sounds. Now you have trade possibilities. Remember, guys, it, the, the likelihood of a big, massive trade with Jonathan Taylor, slim to none. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> because, again, the Browns, obviously in their effort to go all in on Deshaun Watson. They don't have a 2024 first round pick. So what Indianapolis is looking for, the Browns don't have to offer, unfortunately. So that is not going to happen. We could see like a Cam Akers trade go there, but really, again, are we are we scared of a guy that just got booted off of his team? No, you can't. Scared money, don't make money. Don't be afraid of Jerome Ford. Um, I'm crossing my fingers though. It's an insignificant free agency signing because I would love to see, cause you know, I also took late round, especially best ball stabs at Pierre strong pre-draft in particular, um, at Pierre strong. So crossing our fingers that, um, Pierre strong can have some kind of, uh, change of pace role there as well. All right, moving on to other injuries, we've got Saquon Barkley's ankle injury. Two to three weeks is the timeline that we're given. And honestly, you know how that kind of goes with Saquon. It might be a little bit more than two to three weeks. I don't know. But are we trusting Matt Breida? Absolutely not against this week. Like against San Francisco? No, we are not. You should acquire him. Don't spend a lot of money. Don't spend all your fab. This is not like spend your fab on Jerome Ford. Try to sneak in Matt Breda on the cheap, like cheap, cheap, okay? Don't go putting a lot of money in there for him. And if you get him, don't start him this week. See what kind of, you know, see what kind of distribution we have in terms of touches out of that running back room. Because um, we do have a rookie there in Eric Gray. Um, Gary Brightwell's there. All Obviously not inspiring names, but somebody's got to run the ball, right? <laughs> Ken Danny Dimes put up aggressive can. He can put up aggressive pass volume in theory. Is it likely to happen? Probably not. So the run game will still contribute. So Brita is worth some kind of ad. We've also got David Montgomery's thigh injury. Um, that one, you know, it thigh bruise. And we're like, okay, that's not too bad. But it sounds like his might be a multi-week absence too. And that does, you know, raise the prospects of Jameer Gibbs, which is fantastic. But obviously none of us, if you don't have Jameer Gibbs, you can't acquire Jameer Gibbs right now. Um and it is possible that, again, they don't want to put that aggressive level of work on them. They operate in true committee. That is what they like to do. 
And they got Craig Reynolds. It's uninspiring, but it would be incredibly cheap to just add him just in case. So that's another one. Uh, Austin Eckler as well. Um, Joshua Kelly. Again, we talked about the Titans earlier and why we would not roll out Jerome Ford. Um, Joshua Kelly against the Titans. That Honestly, that's not surprising. That's not a knock on him. You know, you can go back to him and start him this week now that he's not playing against the Titans if Austin Eckler is out. Jamal Williams' hamstring injury. I've waited for this moment to be able to say that it is Kendra Miller time. <laughs> Drum roll if I had a sound effect for that. Um, yeah, this is interesting. You don't you don't know if you can trust it right off the bat, but quite frankly, Tony Jones Jr. has never been anything. So Kendra Miller getting in there, um, we got the nerve that he's healthy. I feel like the coaches kind of got in there, looked at him and said, hey, you're healthy now. We need you. You will be active this week. So he will be active this week. We've got that. So Kendra Miller, keep your eye on him. See if we can get any type of gauge and type of idea in terms of the level of workload that he's going to get because he could fall into an RB1 role right off the bat. Short time period, unfortunately. Um, or fortunately, depending on if you roster Alvin Kamara because he's coming back. He's coming back very, very soon. And then we've also got Savannah Ahmed groin injury. Not significant, but it is significant for Raheem Mostert. Fantastic game. I mean, as long as he's got that volume, he's rolling, you're starting him. And then maybe we can see some additional work from Devin A. Chain. I would love to see that. Um, quarterback injuries as well. We talked about Joe Burrow and that calf. Uh, you know, I would not anticipate him playing this week. I would anticipate that they need to rest that calf for it to actually fully heal. Hopefully it only takes one week. But again, this does affect Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They don't have a stable veteran quarterback that they can turn to, unfortunately. Their quarterback... Their backup quarterback is a veteran, but he's a veteran that literally um, threw one pass is like first pass in the NFL last week. So that's not technically, it's not technically a veteran, right? Um, maybe they add someone if this is actually serious, but again, you know, maybe this is a buy low opportunity for Jamar Chase as buy low as you can get on a guy like Jamar Chase, but you can target him because it is Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow will be back and this offense should get back on track, but unfortunately it is a definitely a concern here. And then Anthony Richardson concussion. We just got to follow that one. We could get Minshew mania again. Um, again, and uh, Michael Pittman, as much as people talk negatively about Michael Pittman, um, he was one of my favorite guys that you were drafting as a wide receiver three with legitimate wide receiver one upside. We like to do those kind of shows in fantasy football. Did several of them, several articles on them. And Pittman was already in there, always in there. And people were very, you know, oh, Michael Pittman, I'm not doing it again. You know, Anthony Richardson has looked absolutely fantastic. Um, and at the very, uh, performing well above expectation in terms of, where we thought he might slot in and how everyone was touting him as a developmental project. Well, the development is going very well so far. So <laughs> we might've just gotten to the perfect opportunity with Shane Steichen. Again, apologize guys for the cough there. Um, then wide receiver injuries. Again, just monitor Anthony Richardson. But wide receiver injuries, we've got Jalen Waddle with a concussion. We got to monitor Brandon Ayuk with the shoulder. Again, kind of explains his production from last week. Just keep your eye on that. Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers concussion concerns. Um, sounds like Jacoby Myers, uh, or I'm sorry, sounds like Devontae Adams 
is good. So we don't have to worry about that. Monastery Kobe Myers, Odell Beckham Jr. Ankle. I love Zay Flowers this week. I mean, I was advising you already to start him, but the matchup this week against Indianapolis, if you have a buy low window or opportunity for Zay Flowers, that's right now, because judging based off the way that the Indianapolis secondary has performed in the past couple of weeks, that buy low opportunity will be gone after this week. So Keep your eye on that. Darnell Mooney knee, Brandon Cook's knee, and Deontay Johnson on IR. Uh, George Pickens apparently to the moon. It would just be wonderful if Kenny Pickett could go there with him. But unfortunately, he is not. All right, we'll do a quick players of the week, and then we'll dive into the mailbag portions of the show because I am, I'm talking a lot, but it was a crazy week. There's so much for us to cover. Um, let's run through uh, some of my favorite performances from the week. Again, this is one of my favorite performances. Um, not that necessarily the top, top performers. That would be easy to run through. Um, but guys that I just love, obviously James Cook. I had him as a um, top 10 running back last week. Um, very bullish on him. Fantastic to see. Other guys that I love to see this week, Brian Robinson taking over as the RB1 and, you know, a full development um, in terms of him, you know, showcasing pass catching upside, um, obviously thriving on the ground. Fantastic to see James Conner, one of my boys as well, one of my favorite RB2s to draft, showcasing again why drafting a legitimate workhorse running back in a bad offense isn't necessarily a terrible thing because pure volume you gotta love it and then Rashad White as well yay for him again you know volume pass catching upside these are the things that we look for in these running backs Kirk Cousins as well um one of my favorite performances I guess technically I did go through the list because he is QB1 um through through the first two games of the season Kirk Cousins is QB1 in total and average points per game good for Kirk Cousins is it for real yeah I think it is yeah yeah I look is 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 overall one going to continue throughout the season probably not but this could be the best year of his career obviously thanks to the tremendous weapons that he is surrounded by from a pass catching perspective. Jordan Addison looks fantastic. TJ Hawkinson is as close to Travis Kelsey as you can get in my opinion. And within the context of that Minnesota offense and volume that he's getting. And, you know, it's just, I mean, he's just, and even KJ Osborne, man, Kirk cousins is surrounded by talent and lack of talent on defense. So they do have to chuck the ball. They got to keep throwing it. I think it's going to stick. And then a couple of my other favorite performances from this week, Nico Collins and Tank Dell. I love them both in different ways. Um, Pre-draft, I was doing, uh, drafting a ton of Nico Collins in best ball. One of my heaviest rostered players easily in pre-draft. Um, yeah, he's looking fantastic. Certainly like an alpha. And Tank Dell, one of my favorite post-draft targets. Yeah, again, you know, just the connection with C.A. Stroud, everything in his favor with the exception of his size. When you've got everything down to a T in terms of how you could perform within the NFL, you've got the speed, you've got the routes, you've got the hands, you've got everything that you could ask for in a wide receiver, you just don't have the size. I mean, Tank Dell could be that outlier. I'm loving what I'm seeing from the both of them. I, I obsessed with it. I'm so happy for both of them, and you know, just the two of two of my favorite. And I think it could stick because whoo, Houston is bad, and CJ Shroud 
might have to chuck the ball constantly every single game. That running game is going nowhere. Poor Damian Pierce. <sighs> Damian Pierce very different than the <laughs> than the bad running back situations for James Conner and bad team running back situations for guys like James Conner and Brian Robinson. Big differences is pure volume. Damian Pierce doesn't have that volume, unfortunately. <laughs> you hate to see it. All right. We're going to move on to the mailbag portion of the show. Before we move on to the mailbag portion of the show, just a reminder, guys, you got to check out all of the other shows within the Player Profiler Network. I mean, top-notch content across the board coming at you every single day with some of my favorite people, right? I'm so happy to be part of this team because so many of these people are guys that I've just loved over the past several years in the fantasy industry and it's fantastic and one of them that you really have to check out is the player profiler tailgate before the thursday game with bradley stalter i mean fantastic fantastic show and there's no better way to start the official start of the football week on thursday than with that show the player profiler tailgate. And you guys know that I love a good tailgate. So you know, I'm there, you know, I'm there. All right, let's dive into the mail bag questions from Jason Quinn, 1992. What to do with Gabe Davis? Boom, bus player, hold him, trade him for someone like Christian Kirk or drop him for Nico Collins or Elijah Moore. I also have Amari Cooper. This is a really good question because Gabe is one of those players that you either love or you either get driven absolutely crazy by. I'll start off by some of talking about some of the players that um, were suggested in this question. Uh, Christian Kirk and uh, Nico Collins and Elijah Moore. Uh, so first of all, uh, I love Nico Collins and Elijah Moore. If you can grab them and add them 100%. But I don't want to, I don't want to drop Gabe Davis and I don't want to trade him for someone like Christian Kirk because I kind of believe in this potential bounce back for Gabe Davis. You know, talking about uh, Christian Kirk, we were happy to see him bounce back this week, but I think it's going to be a seesaw, a back and forth between him and say Jones because Obviously, we saw this last year between the two of them. The only difference here is we're inserting Calvin Ridley. Um, Zay Jones is day-to-day -day right now with an injury. It doesn't sound serious. Um, but a guy like Christian Kirk, you're just asking for another boom-bust player just in a less, theoretically, less potent offense. Um, love love Trevor Lawrence. Um, but, you know, it's just Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Um, so I like Davis. He's a hold for me. There's just something kind of off with the Bills offense as a whole. And I think they're going to work through those issues. They're going to bounce back stronger and be more consistent. And the Bills are very vocal about wanting to increase the involvement for Gabe Davis during the offseason. Um, because unlike a situation like Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones, where one will go off and cannibalize the other's production, Diggs and Davis don't really cannibalize each other. Diggs' production stays you know, strong, and it wasn't poorly affected last season when Gabe Davis has those, had those massive boom games. Um, the Bills offense just flows better when they can push more production through Davis. And I think they're going to continue to try to find ways to give him that volume. So I would not sell Gabe Davis unless you're selling high above. Don't go for someone like Christian Kirk because that's someone on the same level, in my opinion. 
Uh, although I would find a way to get Nico on your team. Again, 100%. Like I've stressed that one enough. I would not drop Gabe Davis, but if you got anybody else to drop, maybe like a low upside handcuff, absolutely, because Nico is someone that you need to have on your team and prioritize. Next question from Mike Pequeno. One, drop Zay for Rashid, Rashid Shahid. Uh, don't panic over Jacksonville's performance. We're getting a lot of Zay Jones and Christian Kirk stuff, and this was just, this is not unusual for them to teeter back and forth. Um, and it's going to continue. Jones is still the higher upside player than um, somebody like Rashid Shahid. Uh, the Jacksonville defense is still an issue, meaning that the Jags have to push high volume all season long, unlike New Orleans. And I love Rashid Shahid, but again, while I want to roster him, we do have to be very careful about high, how high we push him because from my perspective, and I was thinking this way too, so this is not judgment at all. We've all been banking on this. Michael Thomas can't play a full season, theoretically, right? And I'm still not convinced that he can, but it is possible that he could. And the Saints may have, they might be approaching him a little bit differently this season because they have to play him in a way that helps push his longevity. His snap count has been high. He's on the field, but his volume hasn't been outrageous. So they're letting Olave be the wide receiver one. So if Thomas is utilized more as a wide receiver two and he stays healthy, that just relegates Rashid Shahid to wide receiver three. Zay Jones, on the other hand, will flip back and forth with Christian Kirk, similar to last season. Jones has the higher upside, in my opinion. He's the better hold in redraft. Dynasty is the opposite. It's a different story, though. Uh, moving on to the next question from Fantasy Burner 12. Trade Najee straight up for Nico. This one is a quick one right here. Um, <clears throat> for this uh, for this mailbag question, uh, they mentioned that uh, Javante is the RB4 or 5 on their team in PPR. If you went running back heavy, and realistically, you know, uh, for someone like me who typically doesn't go running back heavy, Javante is my RB3, so I can easily see where someone drafted him as their RB4 slash 5. And if you did that and you want to trade him, I don't mind trading him straight up for Nico Collins. Some people might see that as underselling. But Javante's value right now is kind of around that middling receiver area where you can get guys that are dependable, but they don't really have high ups. So when you're looking at, you know, no one's selling you Puka Nakua for John, Javante. That's not happening. So while it might seem like an overpay to trade Javante Williams, a potential RB1 for Nico Collins, Nico has legitimate top 20 upside. So I am willing to overpay for Nico because again, that Houston offense, they might have to just continue to throw and throw and throw and Nico could just continue to thrive. Next question from Saul Vasquez. Is Jalen Warren worth rostering? Yes, absolutely. Yes, he is. And quite frankly, if Pittsburgh continues to struggle like this, I did say we're not panicking over Najee, but if Pittsburgh continues to struggle like this, he could eventually maybe, you know, start over Najee. I hate to say it, maybe split the backfield in a way that favors him more and be the better start. I won't say he will start over Najee. Najee will still be the RB1, but he would be the better start. 
on a weekly basis if Pittsburgh just can't get it together and be better. This week is a much softer matchup against Vegas, and Najee should bounce back, and then you, after that you get Houston. But Warren has shown strong receiving upside. I appreciate you being apprehensive, though, because sometimes people look at the stat lines for Jalen Warren, and they get a little overzealous and say, oh, my gosh, look at him. He's so much better than Najee. And you don't, you know, if you didn't watch the game, you don't see he outscored Najee. Uh, but, yeah, he was hit for a pass where he was literally wide open. That was nothing special that Jalen Warren did. He might just be getting the better circumstances because that often happens with change of pace backs because it's change of pace. They're adjusting. They're doing something in a play that's a little bit better or bringing a little bit higher upside. So that's not unusual. So again, you know, yes, we are definitely rostering Jalen Warren for sure. We we're seeing where it goes. This is very interesting. Another question here from at BG 97. Start James Cook or Kyron Williams. Help me decide, Tara. I love this question. I love it. We talked about Kyron Williams at the beginning of the show. I talked a little bit about James Cook and the absolute love that I have for James Cook in that backfield. Um, the matchups are pretty comparable here. Cook is facing Washington. Kyron is facing Cincinnati. There's not a big difference between them. Neither one is super exploitable. Neither one is a super, you know super awful matchup that you don't want to start a running back against like a Tennessee or a San Francisco. Um, so this really just comes down to who you prefer in terms of talent. And I prefer James Cook overall. I had him again as a top 10 back last week. I will continue to be very bullish on him. Kyron Williams is only a couple of spots behind him for me. Only a few spots behind him for me. Again, it's close because the thing about the Rams backfield is that Kyron Williams is the only back in his backfield. It's his backfield. And we talked about the changes that are being made in that LA Rams offense. So, you know, he does have that upside that really brings him to constant top 12 upside. If he continues to be the only guy back there. And with James cook, we do know that Murray and Damian Harris will work in to some extent and cut into cook's workload, but cook is the superior talent. I will take cook on, I don't know, five less touches than Kyron Williams because I do feel like Cook is going to outproduce him. So it's James Cook for me who I'm starting. And we'll do one more question from Ed McCumber, 52. Trade fields for Tua before the rails come off in Chicago. I saved the best question for last here. I will not lie to you. I was heavy in on Justin Fields this year, particularly in best ball. I don't have any redraft shares of him because it just didn't shake out that way. Um, I found myself really loving, you know, receivers that were going in that area and leaning towards waiting slightly later and going with Justin Herbert. So it's just way it shook out. But I did take, you know, a decent amount of fields in best ball. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. I was looking at my best ball teams this weekend because, you know, they were doing pretty good. I'm like, okay, let me look through these. The amount of Justin Fields and Sam Howell combinations that I have. Why did I do that combination? I don't know. But the amount of combinations that I have there, crazy. And it's crazy because the QB1 for me in every single week has been Sam Howell over Justin Fields. Sam Howell has outproduced him. Oh, crazy. It's painful. But I would not do that trade. And it's not a knock on Tua because, again, Tua is a top 10 quarterback for me. The only concern for him heading into the season was health. You know, you can't hold on that. You can't keep knocking Tua for the potential of a concussion, right? The weapons give him an automatic leg up on literally almost every quarterback in the league. Tua's floor, though, is lower 
than Justin Fields. And ultimately, Fields does have the higher upside. We saw that floor today, or not today, but this past week for Tua. When you don't have that rushing upside, sometimes it can be a little bit uglier. If we can look at Justin Fields and his stats from 2022 and how he played, you know, how he played last year is kind of on par with the way he's playing right now, which is kind of a concern in terms of a long-term perspective. We would have expected you to start off at a level higher than you did last year. The fact that you haven't is very concerning. You know, but again, he should get a little bit better as the season goes on, because that's what happened last year. He started off in that kind of 15-ish to you know, even a little bit lower in that 14-ish to 18-ish range, averaging around 15 to 16. That's what we're seeing right now. Then he hit those massive boom games. He developed a little bit. Schedule got a little bit softer. And then he kind of started averaging out around 19 fantasy points um, in four-point per passing leagues and for passing touchdown leagues. And I kind of feel like that's where we're heading this year. So that's why I'm not bailing out on him. These are kind of like, this is the the low floor kind of situation. We're going to see those boom games. His upside ultimately is a lot higher than to us. That said, you do have to be a little bit concerned. We see a guy like Anthony Richardson come into a similar situation and he has thrived right off the bat. Something is just not there with Tua, uh, with Fields, unfortunately. I would stick it out with him in redraft, but in dynasty, you got to bail out when those hit, those hit, you know, big boom games hit because ugh, it's painful. Also, one of the, uh, and I thought hard about this question. I kind of teetered back and forth, but another factor that kind of makes me lean towards Fields, Fields has one of the best quarterback strength of schedules. Tua has one of the worst. So this type of performance that we saw against New England, that's going to repeat multiple times because he has the tougher matchups. Fields doesn't. So ultimately in redraft, that's often what it comes down to. So again, overall QB1 potential, that I don't think that's in the cards for Justin Fields. But he should still be a top 10 quarterback. The, the floor is decent. The ceiling is higher. So we'll stick it out with him right now. All right, guys, that wraps things up for the mailbag portion. Some closing thoughts. Again, if you have any questions, always drop them to me. Uh, Twitter is the best place to do it. You can find me at It's Tara Time, I-T-S-T-E-R-A-T-I-M-E, across, you know, all platforms, really, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Tag me. I will do my best for to respond. And if not, I will try and make sure that I get them into the mailbag portion of the show. Let me know if you want them in the mailbag portion of the show, by the way. If you are listening on the podcast version, I would greatly appreciate a subscribe. That would be amazing. A follow, whichever one it is on your platform. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like the video and drop me a comment below. And uh, make sure that you are subscribed to Player Profiler as well. All right, guys, that is going to wrap things up. Good luck with your fantasy lineups. I will catch you again, same time, same place next week.